calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I am Alex and this week I'm joined by Krupa. Hello. And Kamali. Hello. So we never did get a good sweet name for you. Somebody sent in oh, one like similar to what Tilly said. So Krupa Chups or Krupa Chups. Krupa Chups. Krupa Chups kind of works. Kind of. It's not as good as Tilly Tots or Caramali. Chupa Krups. Yeah. Chupa Krups. Yeah. It's taken me bad to when I was a really fat kid. Like It's, it's a little bit similar to Chubby Krups. I don't want to go back there. We can have a little story. Lie the dark days. Couch. The dark days oh when I had to evaluate doorways <laughs> before walking what? through. Get caught. You weren't that big. I I'll, can't believe um, it. I was, th- I was three and a half stone heavier than I am now. Really? Yeah. At what age? And, and shorter. At what age? Oh, probably from the years of... Oh. Oh, let me, this takes me back. I love the way that oh. you're holding the mic. Nobody should have stretch marks at nine. <laughs> um, between... Did you have a baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never lose it. <laughs> okay. Just, oh, the years it took me to shift that. Yeah. I asked for a C-section. They said, "No, you're not famous enough." Um, I've got, I've got, I've got no mic stand. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. weird. People who are watching, you usually record with mic stands in yeah. place, and I don't have a mic stand because it's broken. So I'm this. I can like lunge. You're freestyling. Right. Nice. So we've done a lot of ah. impressions so far. Hurt myself. Yeah, I feel like a bit yeah. of a crooner in Vegas yeah. in the 70s. Anyway. Anyway, should we crack on because this is rubbish? This week's podcast, <laughs> we are going to talk about the news, obviously. It's also been Tokyo Game Show this week, so we'll talk about our thoughts of what we've seen there. But first, a quick... Uh, foray? Foray into the last seven days of our lives. Okay. Okay. Destiny. It's all been about Destiny. You've been really. playing Destiny every day. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I like I it. I really love it. Right, first off, Luke... Why are you such a big fan? Because you've kind of followed the game quite closely. Obviously, the MMO aspect appeals to you. Look, his so mouth is wide open in anticipation. Salivating. The okay. MMO aspect He's dilated. Is, the MMO aspect of it really kind of um, appeals to me. But also, because I play so many MMOs uh, to try them out, it's just different because the gameplay is fundamentally different. It's a shooter. Yeah. Um, you know, I've tried Planetside 2 and stuff, but just the aspects and the layers and the way it's kind of put together, very nice. I think it's aesthetically very good. My complaints... I kind of have is the story doesn't really grasp me that much and there's a weird point you mean it's rubbish well no so here's the thing Mm, with it is but here's the thing with World of Warcraft for example the story never really grabbed me and then I got to a stage where I was I cared enough about the game 
that I went online and I read some of the lore from the strategy titles from all of this. Yeah. And suddenly I was like, oh, that's who this character is. That's who this character is. I guess that's probably going to happen well, to Destiny over how, time. Like, how do a lot of MMOs treat story? It's, it's similar. Is that not like, is that a widespread problem for the genre? I'm not au fait with not, a lot of MMOs. Yeah. It strikes me as that would be... So what you have, what you have a lot of is you, is you have kind of instant storytelling things. Um, but it depends. So... You know, some of them have gone for full-on voiceovers, like, you know, The Elder Scrolls Online has a lot of voiceover, but that ramps up the budget. Hmm. Um, you've got Guild Wars 2 that also has voiceovers, and that does it in a really interesting way. But what uh, Destiny kind of does that's really interesting, a lot of people, you know, you fill out those grimoire cards, and it's like, go to Bungie.net, and you I, can find out more. I absolutely hate that, because I'm never in a million years going to do that. Point. You don't go, but I actually was like, I'll go, I'll, I'll bite. And I went, and it's actually... It's, it's loads of story about all the races. Like, you unlock it when you kill your first Vex, for example. Right. It gives you a story of when the Vex appear, how they appear. Which one's the Speculation. Vex? Oh, you haven't got there yet. Oh, I haven't uh, got like there yet. Or, or like all the Fallen, all the Cabal, and all of this. All right. Or the Hive. And it gives Spoilers? Jesus. God damn it. It was written about a long time ago. Anyway, basically, it's just quite, it's just quite interesting. And you can pick up the story that way. I think it would be really good, and I'd be surprised right. if at some stage... I assume they're doing it this way now, to drive people to the Bungie.net platform. Well, I've been there enough to figure out what's going on with my router and it's, I don't know, Dingleberry problem or whatever it is. Mor- like... Miranda Centipede. Um, <laughs> so oh, no, weird. Miranda Centipede's on my router. We've had a lot of it's issues. so um, weird. Um, so yeah. it's that, but I think I think hopefully at some stage they'll integrate it into the game. Um, but it is, the story once you get that is good. I like the setting. Um, and last night I played a raid, uh, not a raid, um, a strike, which is kind of yep. the version of a dungeon in a normal MMO. Yep. It's three of you and... The first, and I've done some earlier ones, but I did the ones on Venus this time, and they get really tough. And more hmm. than just kind of being a war of attrition against the bosses, tactics start coming into play. So you have to do certain things, you have to know what you're doing, you have to coordinate, and it gets really, really frenetic. So you and probably um, shouldn't pick three hunters. Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually matter that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. According right. to um, Vince's review, Vince's IGN review is now live. We, I think we've got one of the most thorough reviews out there, actually, because yeah. Vince spent you know like a week and a half playing it, and he's got really to the end game, and he's tested all that stuff out, a high-end loot, and he really has a, a very thorough understanding of how that stuff works. So yeah. our review is based up on the experience right until the end. And he says that one of his criticism was that, you know, picking between the Titan, the Warlock, and the Hunter doesn't actually make that much an impact there's slight differences way yep. late on in the game but yep. still even then there's well, not really a complementary team like, system so i started as a hunter uh and because we're all hunters i thought right i'll restart as a as a titan and it i before i started playing it as a titan i'd read that it feels slow um obviously a lot kind of more heavily armored it feels very much similar but it's just obviously different skills um i've still got a sniper rifle i've still got an assault weapon Obviously, my yeah, charge we- up weapons are aren't character specific, no. and right. even you don't add anything like hunters don't add a buff to a sniper rifle. No. But what is quite interesting, like that. And so Which last is night, what I thought. So I hit level 17 last night, um, but I started at 14. So I hit 15 last night, and when you hit 15, you unlock your subclass, and that's very different. So right. um, that changes. Oh, yeah. That's the close combat. But what I so I did some research because I was like, oh god, I don't want to proceed and lock myself into one. But the great thing is. You don't Do you have to make... Oh, you can swap you back. You can swap between. It's, okay. like, it's like an equippable bit of equipment. So right. you swap between. You can only level the one you've got. So to unlock abilities, you have to be playing at it. So right. I started off doing these strikes with 
um, as the blade dancer with no skills or not. So I didn't have my double jump. I didn't have a grenade. I didn't have a throw. Oh, what? So you have to retrain, as it were. Yeah, that's a bit. That's a bit weird. It's kind of alright because when you're moving through what we call kind of like trash mobs, which are just kind of grunts. Like yeah. you, I, I was just using them in the in the blade dancer thing, and then I jump across to to the um the other one. Sure. But I but spring. but I just mean like you've worked your way up to a level fifteen. Something as basic as a double jump doesn't carry over. You suddenly unlearn that skill. Yeah, that feels a bit kind of weird to it me. It is. I mean, but I think the point is so the blade the um the blade dancer one seems a lot deeper. And there's a lot more there, and I think the right. point is you know what you're gonna have to start off and you're gonna have to put some time in, but then towards the end it's gonna give you more options. Right. The other fantastic thing is you can have them both. So I don't need to start another hunter. I can level them both fully, get all the moves. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, it, it changes it. So obviously, as I said, the Blade Dance is a lot more melee focused. Um, but no, I'm really loving it. I'm loving my time with it. And the stories, as I say, I love the setting. I think there's a lot of potential there. And I'm kind of trying to fill myself in. So God, he doesn't shut up about it, does he? I really like oh, it. Blimey. I think it's all right. Yeah, good. <laughs> Me too. It's, it's quite good, isn't it? What do the two people who've got iPhone 6s think? That's what I want to know. Right. Yeah. So the let's forget people about who you have yeah. valid <laughs> opinions. <laughs> I don't know. Just because you're using old technology, you no longer count. <laughs> so <laughs> should we why. direct everyone towards a very good YouTube um, clip that you circulated this morning? <laughs> yes. Do you want to tell everyone what that is? Uh, well, so I can't remember. I, I found it on Twitter and uh, I was on my way in and I knew that you were at... Um, <laughs> Uh, the shop getting your iPhone 6. Anyway, there's this kid who's at the front of the queue. Uh, in getting Perth, his in Australia? Yeah, in Perth in Australia. And obviously there's a mob of kind of journalists there. He comes out with his iPhone 6. They're like, oh, let's see it, let's One see it. One of the first it. in the world. Yep, because obviously the time difference. He opens the box, slips the top off, and the phone goes straight out and whacks onto the floor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then, so every, everybody in the queue is going like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he picks it up. He's like, it's all right. It's all right. It's obviously fine. And then just before it cuts away, he just he obviously sees a mark. And he's like, mm. <laughs> I've been waiting in line two weeks. Oh, my God. That is too, that's too much. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I knew it was bigger. It does feel a lot bigger. Yeah. But it's a lot of thinner well, you've got, as you've well. You've got so yours there. Yeah. That's the five. And I've got a five as well, just yeah. before anyone thinks I'm a complete. But yeah. Yeah, you've got it in some kind of like weird case. Basically, my phone got stolen, I got a new one, and then I got it. And this case is so bad, you can't make phone calls because it doesn't sense it's close to your face. And so. Oh, why have you box, still got it on then? <laughs> well, Alex is always like, why did you take the case it's off? Covering up all the se call? It's covering up all but the sentences, Luke. <laughs> but just take it off. Well, I do for phone calls. Oh my god. I've gone through it. This is my third The one, one time when you're actually probably going to drop it. This is my third one of these in yeah. about six oh, months. I can't afford Honestly, put, put the case on before you put it in the pocket just so in case it slips from the top of the pocket to the bottom of the pocket. It's scratched by my keys. So you, you keys put it in a, in a different, different pocket. Different pocket. Right, there you go. Solution. I've got work keys and I've got... Well, keep the key. It doesn't matter if you scratch your keys on keys, <laughs> does it? You can double key. But then I've got everything in one pocket. Honestly, so your, your opinions no longer count. That is it. Right. You're making um, problems for yourself here. Anyway, the one thing that the uh, iPhone and 4G is really good for is when the Wi-Fi breaks in the office. <laughs> I've managed to tether Destiny through We've that every Destiny on 4G. It works a treat. Better than our Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to this week's news. And Microsoft chucking their money around like nobody's business. Oh, God, no, I need, my, I need the brick. Um, so, yes, Microsoft, after much speculation, have finally confirmed that it's Sports Mojang who make Minecraft. Uh, Two and a half billion dollars. Yes, which is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. I believe it is. Um, so Marvel was four billion. Marvel was four billion. Um, 
Twitch was um oh, was oh, Twitch no, now? Twitch, Twitch was just under two, wasn't it? Or was it one? It was one. Yeah. Um Oculus was two. Yeah. yeah, and Oculus is actually relevant for another reason. Um but we'll come back to it. So if in the grand scheme of things it's What would you buy? Lucasfilm um was like two and a half. I think Lucasfilm might be That's a lot of money. Yeah, so like, mm. there you go. So Disney buys Lucasfilm for four point zero five billion. Okay. Microsoft Mojang for oh. and a half. Facebook buy an Oculus for two billion, and Amazon bought Twitch for one billion. Okay. Which one? Of the, which half of them would you have splashed your cash on? Well, so the thing about Lucasfilm. Well, you, well, I don't, Marvel. Marvel four well, billion. I was going to say Marvel, but what did you get for that? Obviously, you got the brand, but did you have like Disney basically built it into what it is, right? The the films. What's this? Marvel. Marvel. Uh, Marvel Studios was up, already up and running, making their own stuff when they oh. were acquired. Okay, at what point was it? Oh, God. You put, um, oh, I think maybe befo- it was before Avengers, I think. Mm. Okay. Let me just have a double check on that. Um, but Because I was thinking that. like, I know one and a half billion more <laughs> is still quite a lot of money. But it made me think that, God, that is a lot of cash. Yeah. Especially because, you know, I don't know what the saturation rate is on, on Minecraft, but I should imagine it's quite high. So my thing is, so everyone's been saying this, because uh, a press release followed out since investors said, don't panic, we're going to get the money back within a year, by the end of the financial year. Two and a half billion exactly. in a year. Now, the point that everyone's made is, I think, and I might be pulling this figure out of the air, but I think uh, Mojang was saying oh, they made something like 100 million in a year, which right. is a lot, but it's obviously a lot short. Yeah. The main thing is, you know, I would say it's kind of hitting saturation point. Having said that, people keep buying Minecraft, but it's the licensing. That's where it's at. Because I yeah, thought, but I went on holiday the other day and walking through the bookshop, and like number four in the bestsellers list is, you know, 100 of the best things to see in Minecraft. Sure, I get that. You know? But if, if you look at the, the licensing options for Marvel, mm. yeah. like that's way, way bigger than yeah. Minecraft, yeah. I would say. Yeah, um, yeah. so um, Disney acquired Marvel in 2009, but it didn't start distributing its films until, obviously it would have taken a cut, until yeah. twenty until The Avengers. Right, so that was the first film that was yeah. under the kind yeah, of in Disney 2012. Yeah. banner. Um, yeah, you say, like, obviously, Minecraft's out there, it's been, you know, sold by, you know, yeah. its install base is huge, and there's a big opportunity in licensing. But that install base, you can make money off them all the time, just release updates, new stuff, new content. Have they done that, though? There's like packs and stuff for yeah, like Mass Effect kind of skins and, stuff. and, and they stuff. charge for that. I believe they do, yeah. Right, okay. So, so like it's small transactions, but if yeah, you've got yeah, yeah. millions yeah. and million people, sure. So I mean, the big theory is that um, what they're going to do is they're going to give Xbox exclusivity or timed exclusivity on some patches, um, and then what they're going to do is roll out, you know, like either Halo things or just you know exclusive things. See, that's a weird thing. Like, I understand why they would do like make it have a timed exclusive ex- uh, Xbox. But at the same time, you want to put it out as far yeah. and wide as possible. Well, I, th- I to think get they will. The like Xbox is already was already the kind of preferred yeah, console absolutely. anyway, yeah, yeah, which yeah, paved yeah, the way yeah. for this deal to happen anyway. Yeah. You know, in the first place. Um, it's, and it's been quite interesting to see people kind of speculating about what this means because they've said they're still going to support all the other versions, so PlayStation versions. Mm-hmm. In theory, the Vita version is still coming out at some stage. We don't know when. Um, but it's interesting because it very much seems the onus is now on Sony. How comfortable is Sony with having Microsoft owning a very, a very, very profitable and successful property that's on its console? If it makes them money, it doesn't yeah, really matter. Yeah, I don't, so, I don't think it's money, as so. um, suspect. You know, no. it happens in it, yeah, it happens in other forms of business. Like if you ever watch um, 
lot of TV programs at the end on BBC or mm. vice versa on ITV. At the end, it'll say on BBC an ITV production. Yeah, yeah. ITV yeah. makes stuff for BBC, and vi- yeah. I'm not sure if the other way around. I don't think it goes the other way. No, but um, it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that came out that obviously, so the other news is Notch and the two other co-founders are stepping. He's done a cream banner. They have. It's interesting. So he wrote quite a passionate blog piece, and he's mm. saying, you know. And the basically the concluding line was, it's not about money, it's about my sanity. Mm. I think it's very easy to say that when you're walking away with a lot of money. But uh, it's true, he has been, you know, he was a small developer, kind yeah. of quite reclusive and quite shy. And he's been now being held aloft as a great bastion of... Yeah, a uh, what? Okay, sorry. But he's also, he's, um, he's also come under a bit of fire because obviously he pulled Minecraft for Oculus once Facebook bought them. Yeah. Like, Something I don't like about Facebook. Don't like this whole corporate culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's now done the same thing. Ferguson. Yeah, but at the same, you know, I think we were saying it. If he was staying there, then that would have kind of smacked of hypocrisy. And there, there is definitely a whiff rather than a smack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good. That's is that right. different levels yeah. of hypocrisy. I'll go with that. Um, but I think, um, yeah, ultimately, yeah, he set out with a tiny group making a game, and I could never have predicted its success. No. Outrageous, and you know, I think you know some people like are comfortable being in the limelight. Other people aren't. And yeah. if I if I was given two and a half billion, on I'd probably of, just get on top, on top of, of all the money he's already yeah. worth. Yeah. yeah. So fair play to him, and he can basically do whatever the heck he wants now for the rest of his life. And you know what he said he, again in this letter? He's like, I'm going to continue to make games, small games, but the second any of you start like it starts, <laughs> any of you. <laughs> I'm done. I'm gone again. Any of you lot, you come around here. Any traction and I'm gone. Yeah, but he wasn't like any of you. Any of you lot giving me any of that? I'll tell you what. Money. Anyway. Sheds. There you go. February. February. February's the new November. I cannot wait. Everything's coming out in February or March or November. Um, Bloodborne in February. Well, there you go. Shall I buy you a copy of this? So Bloodborne. One of the games I'm most looking forward to in 2015 now has an official uh, Western release date. It's coming out on February 6th. And Is that the same as the Japanese launch day? I thought that was the 5th. Well, all right. A day difference. Is I'm being... <laughs> near as damn it. Well... <laughs> You're being thorough. I'm being thorough. Good. Um, being exact and a pedant. So it's coming out and they've announced a collector's edition. It's not like a huge collector's edition that has, like an, I don't know... A monster in it, or a or a scythe. That was like um, Dark Souls too, wasn't it? The Japanese version. You got lots of little little mini miniature weapons. <laughs> I like to, 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 to stab cats. I don't know. Oh god! Don't stab cats. No, no jeez. Oh, um, it's kind of um, standard stuff. Art book, steel case. Do people prefer steel books? Can I just put that question out there? I was. They, they look not. They look nice, but somebody I was talking to a couple of weeks ago, he collected the steel book editions of stuff. So people yeah. do like it. Yeah. You, not, I wouldn't say no to one. That's what I would say. You wouldn't say no to one. You want steel book? I was like, yeah. Cool. High praise indeed. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to it. What have you got yeah. steel book edition? Oh, uh, I've got. I've got a Resident Evil Six, Black Ops Two. I think I've got Elder Scrolls Online, Ooh. Destiny, yeah, Mass Effect Two. Yeah, so if you want to write in and tell us what steel books <laughs> are in your <laughs> collection, IGN underscore. You gave feedback. Band of Brothers. It's not as if David's got com- IGN.com. Yeah. Don't, li- don't lift up the curtain don't and reveal the-, the curtain. Oh, no, you've revealed. You? <laughs> Wizard of Oz. You revealed the corporate monster. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's what's coming out, and we're going to talk more about Bloodborne and we the are. cool trailer it got at TGS later on in the show. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, 
the uh, feud between Zack Schneider and J.J. Abrams is hotting up. I wouldn't say a feud. It's more like kind of friendly banter. It's banter. I've done this wrong. I was just going to say really quickly, Bloodborne release date, a similar aesthetic to The Order 1886 and also a PlayStation exclusive, which is also due in February. Do we think The Order 1886 might move? I don't know, but we're halfway through the next news story. That's fine, sorry. Right. We're freewheeling here. Why why don't we talk about that in the talking point section? There you go. So, uh, going back to my original point, uh, so it started off as, uh, what was the first thing actually? I know I should prepare this. Wasn't Henry Cavill as a... So, yeah, there's a Superman dressed up as a dark um, a Jedi. Sith, thank Sith. you. Oh, I wasn't, I was off mic then. <laughs> uh, and then it was followed up with uh, Batman uh, with R2-D2 on Tatooine. Um, and then the most recent picture, the one that's kind of done the rounds a lot in the last week, is Gotham PD shoving a stormtrooper into uh, a, a, a police interceptor. But I think Abrams has come back with probably the best response. He's brought so it, hasn't he? He has. He absolutely has. So he before this, he did uh, C-3PO as the Cape Crusader, which I think was... Like, they should make the film rather than doing all of this kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, no wonder it's coming out the year after <laughs> next. But Schneider, do you work? I did. I like the, um, the C-3PO one because obviously he's wearing kind of the cow thing and rather than the bat symbol, it's the Rebel Alliance logo uh, in, the, in the sky. But anyway, this one was a video rather than an image and it's um, a panning shot, our first glimpse of the new Millennium Falcon, which looks kind of a lot like the old Millennium yeah. Falcon. <laughs> bit ru- bit rustier. Um, but then after a few seconds, it zooms in and reveals a tiny little Batmobile inside one of the kind of exhaust ports or whatever it's it is. dwarfed, isn't yeah. it? So, which bat is it? The tumbler is the tumble tumbler before tumble? it's a, before it's in the stealth material, right? So when he says, "Does it come in black?" Oh, I just assumed it was because it was the same color as the Millennium Falcon. Oh, was it? I didn't know. Oh, I maybe it is. I just assumed it was because it, it looked kind of like the mottled yeah, camouflage yeah, yeah. version. Yeah. Um, do you think people at Disney and Fox are just looking at Disney, are just going, um, Disney and Warner going, guys, seriously, you're, you're 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 behind schedule. Yeah, and but at the same time, it's that it builds a lot of excitement, yeah. I think. Yeah, they're probably there going, it is good bounce, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you sure is that this is some of the top execs in Hollywood yeah, are um, saying. It's like Roy Eisner. I don't know if he's there anymore, but it's like, this is quality bounce. Keep going, JJ. And JJ's just like dropping the mic, megaphone. That's what it, uh, directors have, megaphones, and yeah. he's dropping it. Do they still have megaphones? Yeah. Do they still? He's an eccentric. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. He, it's not an electric one, it's just one of the old ones. Like bullhorn or something. <laughs> I don't know. Has it got one of those buttons where you press it does like a police siren? Oh, yeah, um, probably not on a film set. No. Probably. Unless there's an emergency. <laughs> there's a fire. Anyway, what do you think of the Millennium Falcon? Apart from the fact it looks like the Millennium Just Falcon. Just in general? Yeah. Um, it looked very much like hamburger and olive. That was how it was inspired, wasn't it? What's the olive? Um, like the bit on the side. Or was it a, pi- a pickle? I was going to say, the cockpit does not look like an olive. Maybe it was a pickle or something. That's the original design. Okay. So it looked much like that, I thought. <laughs> right. No, I thought it looked nice. Because I wasn't sure whether it was a model or a CGI. I thought so it was maybe a CGI render and they've just controlled the camera to fly but through but it. But you've, you've seen the leaked images of yeah. the kind of half-built yeah. Millennium Falcon. It just looks so detailed. Somewhere in like, it the just UK looks so Yeah, it just looks so detailed and polished. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff on set, while high quality... You can't get that close to it. I just thought maybe it was a CGI render and that's how they were able to turn it around quickly. Either way, anyway, it looks look that cool. good. I cannot wait. It looked massive as well. 
Yeah. It look, they've made it bigger. Yeah, but what, the Millennium Falcon? It feels bigger because if you go back to the original films, there aren't that many shots of them in frame with it. You, there's the shots where they run into it in the Death Star. Yeah. Yep. But I don't think it's not as big as that. Yeah. No, but, but, but you've got the bit. But they're implying it. Where it's in Mos Eisley and yeah. obviously and like that scene. Oh, it's so bad. I preferred the fat Henry VIII, man. Yeah, exactly. It's And also, I, I was talking about this recently because I went back and watched the Blu-rays. Of, the, of all of them or the old ones? Of, of, the, of, of the original trilogy. Um, but obviously it's the um, extended editions or whatever yeah. they're called. I can't remember what he called them. No. But that uh, the addition of that scene is so bad. And on Blu-ray, it looks really, really crappy. It's when his like, eyes like pop out of his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just Han Solo, the way he kind of goes... Bup, 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 bup. That's him steps. going up and over his tail. <laughs> yeah. But it just looks... We No, the steps aren't there. Because he was just a fat guy in the original it's thing. Oh. He looked, yeah, it was a, a fat guy with a, a big beard. It was Henry VIII. It, it's, it what, was Space I, Henry VIII. I don't think he was Henry VIII, but he, he looked a bit yeah. like... Maybe an awful yes. thing to say. I don't know if I ever saw the original original. Well, it wasn't in the original. It's a deleted scene. It's a deleted scene, scene which he then wanted, he put back in. The, the thing, yeah. see, I think I've seen the, the version where it wasn't Batman and Henry VIII. But that's, that's it was only an extra on the kind of DVDs Ooh, and stuff like that. You don't digitally touch him up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, if you're gonna go, if you had to pick one film, Star Wars, Batman vs Superman, which one? Star Wars, no question. Batman vs Superman. You idiot! You, you don't even mean that. No, it's Star Wars, but I want to. I will enjoy to see what the hell that movie's going to be. <laughs> I, I'm just got a, I've got, a, obviously it's a huge movie. I've got a peculiar fascination with yeah. Batman versus Superman because there is so much in the, it, I, I am basically resigned to the fact that I'm going to be in that cinema for four and a half hours. Well, I don't I'm, think he's going to be able to tell to, a story in any less. Somebody's going to have to amputate my butt cheeks yeah. because I'll be like passing out. But I, I'll I, enjoy it. I do, I like the time when uh, long films had intervals. Oh, I used to like that. Like Gone with the Wind. Oh, I remember seeing that in the 1930s. Uh, JFK. When I saw that, that had uh, an interval. What, him getting shot? I can't remember. I've only ever seen it once. Um, I enjoyed that's that movie. That's an, it's an amazing speech at the end when um, Kevin Costner gives that speech and he talks about his fallen king. Right. He's like, never f- never forget your dying king. And he does this thing where he kind of like gets choked up. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's good acting. <laughs> that's like Tom Hanks at the end of uh, Captain Phillips. Yeah, that's all you have to... Oh, that's an amazing Ooh. performance. That's a great film. Yeah. Paul Greengrass is... The that business was probably did that came out this year or last year? Last year. That was probably one of my best films of like, well, yeah, one of the this, best films I've seen Oscar recently. Year or whatever, last really, year. really good. Yeah, and Paul. Gre- on the side note, we're not covering it in news, but Paul Greengrass and Jason, um, yeah, taking back on Jason Bourne, yeah. Matt Damon. Well, back, those yeah. are two of the best action films, and the first one's great as well. But yeah. some of the smartest, um, most interesting action films of the last ten yeah. years. Well, like, no, nah, binned him off. Yeah, cool. I, I didn't even bother seeing that film. I just felt. I think it. You know what? They probably look back on it, and it's probably a smart business decision. As in, you keep the franchise and the name out there, ticking over. Yeah, ticking over. Yeah. While you prepare the next thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's exciting. Uh, last piece of news. This uh, is exciting. And it's on the topic of films. Yeah. Um, another film that's co- co- actually going to happen. Um, the long-awaited, much-anticipated Deadpool movie has got a release date. Uh, Fox have announced that it's coming out on February 12, 2016. Now, obviously, Deadpool appeared and was played by Ryan Reynolds in Wolverine X-Men Origins yep. a good few years back. Um, I think everyone agrees that they kind of bastardized the character 
to a great extent yeah. and it kind of put a nail in the coffin of a Deadpool movie ever happening the you know, despite Ryan Reynolds wanting it to happen, yeah, of course he did. He has nothing else to do. Um, well, that, that I really like Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Time, he just went through a really bad. He, he he was all set to be the biggest star in the world, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. and he kind of he kind of touched it. And then a couple this didn't work out. Green Lantern flopped, mm, unfortunately. Lantern. And I think he's really good in Green Lantern. It's the rest of the stuff that's not yeah. so good. And I think if you compare it to Chris Pratt's career, Chris Pratt is at a similar turning point, yeah. and he's just landed it. Yeah. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy was a big tick, whereas Green Lantern flopped. Yeah. Next year, he's in Jurassic World, and he's going to go stratospheric, yeah. whereas Ryan Reynolds has kind of just like held course. I like Just Friends. Tilly agrees with me on this, and Just Friends remains a very funny film. The problem yeah. with Ryan Reynolds is his eyes are too close together. Yeah, he's, you know what? He <laughs> is a bit of a minger. Hang on, yeah. no, aren't you the one who says that he's not an attractive man? Well, his eyes are too close together. <laughs> he said this before, and it's but oh, I w- but they I'll, are. I would. He's such an would attractive you? man. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but I'd be looking at him. And my eyes would be looking at either side of his eyes because they're they're like that. <laughs> he's such like an attractive. Tiny man. eyes. Luke knows all that. Maybe that's why Luke likes Get him to put the Deadpool mask on. I don't have tiny eyes. Well, you did that two weeks ago. You can get him to put the Deadpool mask on while he holds you. So that test footage that you showed me. Right, so that test footage which got leaked kind of around Comic-Con time. Which um, looked amazing. Which looked great. It was Ryan Reynolds doing the mocap, the voice, and maybe that's been a factor in them greenlighting this movie because um, you know they were really proud of that footage it's got out there in the public people yeah. have received it so warmly yeah. got really enthused and like you know have expressed um, sadness that the movie never happened I think Fox probably gave some of that I don't think that would have been the only factor so my only concern is that, is that, that test footage uh, it's not like that and they dumb it down or they make it acceptable I, for I think low, they need low to rage rating Hopefully, the uh, one good thing that can can come out of the failure of Deadpool in Wolverine yep. is saying you, if you're going to do this character, you need to do it the way it is in the yeah. comics. Otherwise, what is the point? Absolutely. And it's it's the potential for them. You know why I think superhero movies are kind of sustaining themselves at the minute is they've stopped being quote unquote superhero movies. Yeah. They're exploring different types of story, different types of genre. Winter Soldier is a political espionage thriller. Guardians of the Galaxy is, you know, it's a sci-fi comedy film. Um, and this could be a really smart, self-referential comedy if they wanted it to yeah. be. Yeah. It could be really foul-mouthed. It could be really violent. Yeah. And that's how it will work and yeah. find an audience, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. Finding out its niche. Yeah. And, you know, I hope he comes back. Yeah. Because I really want Ryan Reynolds. You know, I think he has the potential to be a great star. And he... He nails that role. You in can't the first see his part eyes of, in the film, which is good, right? Yeah, it's good. Uh, in the first part of the film, um, he's really funny as well as Wade Wilson before yeah. he they make him mute. Yeah. Why the hell did they do that? Anyway. Yeah. So, there you go. There you go. That's it for this week's news. So, uh, this week, it was the Tokyo Game Show. So, a lot of our American chums are over in uh, Japan. Um, in fact, they experienced like quite a heavy um, earthquake. earthquake over there. Mm. Know that but they're used to it. They're from San Francisco. I know, but I don't think seasons it all the time, does it? Uh, I once um, experienced. I, yeah, I don't want to freak the American guys out, but um, I want to tell them a story about something I experienced once. I was once in the food court in the Orndale Centre in Manchester, and um, I was eating a, um, a sandwich, and um, it's a bit sc- there was a slight tremor. Wow. What happened? Uh, you, had a chili, you had a chili. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, meatball marinara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a slight tremor, and because we were in like a suspended area, yeah. it was kind of amplified right 
It was a bit scary. But also, I was in Manchester, which has a history of IRA bombings. So oh. everyone was like freaking out that something like that had happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it turned out it was a small earthquake. I've never yeah. been in an earthquake. Britain, Britain's really safe. So I was in... I can't <laughs> remember if it was... Um, it kept a bit of flooding. I can't remember if it was LA or San Francisco, but it happened. Um, it must have been LA, I think, because um, I was there with my missus. Mm. And I woke up one night and it was just like, what the hell was that? And it had gone before it kind of even started. But yeah, it's a weird, weird feeling. It's, a, it's the, the weird thing about living in the UK... You live a very safe life, yeah. really. There's, we have nothing that we can animal-wise that can really kill you. Cattle, maybe, if they stampede you. Yeah, but that's your. Like you bring you bring that upon you. You bring that upon yourself. Yeah. Um, you, you're you're always going cow tipping. There you go. <laughs> Stampeding cow. Yeah. Doesn't that really happen, does it? Yeah. Cows are dangerous. People. Yeah. When when they're not laughing, <laughs> they're stampeding. Easy. <laughs> anyway, Tokyo Game Show. Eh? Yes. So. Um, We've actually got a game here that we're kind of each champion. Champion. Chim- yeah, so <laughs> I, I guess the highlight of the show that I've seen so far is, yes, <laughs> speaking from myself, <laughs> as I often do, um, is obviously Metal Gear Solid. So we've seen the same kind of demo now uh, over and over again. Yeah, and, and the base building as well, we've seen a couple of se- times seen now. a lot of it. And the box. So this is the first time that they showed a different environment, so kind of much more kind of snake eater, jungle environment. Uh, showed off uh, a bit more of Quiet, the um, the sniper rifle lady, who I, I don't know. I thought I got it in my head that she was somebody who fight. you fight An against, adversary. but obviously she's not. May, uh, maybe that happens further down the line. I don't know. Um, but it was a twenty minute demo that we've got up on IGN, and man, I'm excited by the Phantom Pain. Okay, so what excites you so much about this particular demo? Well, so the open worldness of Ground Zeroes, I really, really enjoyed. Um, because it's the first time, like a lot of stealth games previous to that, uh, you you had to play them in a very certain way, a specific way to kind of get the most out of it. Whereas if you're a lot freer in yeah. um, in Ground Zeroes. Ground Zeroes, I think. Tiny little game. I think Ground Zeroes, and you know, I used to hate when people, some people make out that it's a demo, yeah. and that's like people I don't think have really committed to it yeah. or really given yeah. it the time of day yeah. it felt like a genuine stealth experience yeah. whereas I think a lot of the games that I played that were quote unquote stealth games growing up on PS um, original PlayStation PS2 and so on yeah. they were trial and error games yeah, yeah, yeah. and when it went wrong it descended into some kind of Benny Hill farce yeah. where you just run around and uh, just let yourself get killed yeah. and then you do it another way and then you kind of wait to like find the path where you could be a badass yeah. whereas I think all the time in Ground Zeroes you felt like a badass yeah Exactly, and it, and I think the key is it's like if you set the alarm off or you're you're spotted or this that and the other, you've got so many options to kind of get out of there, and you know reset and run around way and do whatever you want. And I think that was illustrated even more in this demo with the kind of uh, the decoys, which again I just the thing I know some people hate it, but it doesn't take itself too seriously, like you know the kind of inflatable rubber decoys. Um, just even the bit where he's climbing up and then the camera pauses on his boots to sort of show off they're made by Puma. They've made a big deal that they've got this stuff with Puma. And they're making some, some comment in Japanese, but it's just it's just funny. It's light-hearted. Um, yeah, I think Kojima does the, that really well. There's yeah. like this farce and this humour and satire yeah. and there's great seriousness in his games. Yeah. I think some people, they think, I think when he makes the serious points, they find it flippant, but I think sure. he, I think he just embraces that video games can accommodate both tones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, that game looks outrageously good. It does look like exceptional. <laughs> it looks 
amazingly beautiful. Yeah, and I think, you know, we were saying about um, Destiny, um, you know, the story's not all that, but the mechanics are, you know, exactly spot on. And I, you can just see that this is what this game's going to be like. And, you know, I don't know how um, how much control you've got over Quiet. I assume that you kind of like issue orders to her or however it works. But uh, the bit where... Um, they take out the helicopter and he throws the grenade in the air and then she snipes it and the grenade hits the helicopter. It's like, that is proper. <laughs> <laughs> that is proper, I think you'll find. Can you do the review for it? Yeah. Just like, just That's go, it. right, Metal Gear 5, Phantom Pain, it's proper, right? Well, the last two trailers, we've seen a helicopter being taken <laughs> out by putting uh, C4 on its uh, fuel tank and then strapping the Fulton so it goes up in the air and blows up. And then this time it's the grenade sniped midair. So it, oh, Alex, come on. Alex, uh, Alex, don't forget the horse can do a whoopsie. Absolutely. <laughs> cool one off. And like. That's all, as soon as that game comes out, I'm, I'm retiring. That's it. I'm going to sit there and play. <laughs> this is me now. Playing Phantom this is, Pain for this the rest is me of my for the life. next 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to follow up that with? Yeah. All right, Kamali. <laughs> Yours is Mario Kart 8, isn't it? it with is. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, I, I never talk about Final Fantasy, and so I thought I, I'd give it a go for once. Um, Final Fantasy 15, and also Type Zero. So it's a driving game, right? Well, it looks that way. It's so got the Mercedes-Benz DLC. So the first thing, just the fact that it's even <laughs> been shown is huge, because we're waiting for a game. Well, surely it was going <laughs> to come out at some point. It's like under a veil. <laughs> 2006, this game was announced, yep. and like... It's just, and then they were like, oh, we've rebranded it. And Do you want to see it? You can't see it. You can't see it. You can't see it. You can't. You're not going to know anything. And so E3 and Gamescom this year, we were expecting things. Yeah. Nothing. And people had almost given up hope of TGS, ever seeing it at TGS. Um, and yeah, no, they gave a new trailer. So first of all, one of the most encouraging things is the news that Final Fantasy Type-0 is going to have a demo of it. Yeah. Which suggests that we might actually be getting to a stage where it's playable and it could possibly come out at some stage... In time. You know, games, I, I'm a big fan of the short release window, announcements release. Sure. Yeah. Forza, bang and bang, it's out yep. next week, is it? And Bloodborne, that was announced not so long ago, yep. and it's Far coming Cry. out in February. Well, I mean, their traditional thing has always been they kind of announce it. They announce the next one before the other one, the previous one. That's their problem. They're announcing a game before they've even started. They have, so many <laughs> exactly. they have so many different teams. So the other news that came out about this, which is quite interesting, is Tetsuya Nomura, who was the game director on that, he's now left the project. Um, is he doing Kingdom Hearts? He is, yeah. yeah. And so when I interviewed Nomura, he said, um, you know, it's actually quite a problem because he's like, I can't game direct the two at the same time. So at the moment, I'm prioritizing 15, but obviously that necessitates a knock on on Kingdom Hearts. Because they, when did they announce Kingdom Hearts? So Kingdom Hearts was, was that two years ago? E3, wasn't it? it was yeah. A trailer from E3, that wasn't not last no, year. Yeah, the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And basically, I think what's happened is he's probably got the game in a position. So the guy who came on. Um, this guy called Tabata, and he's done some of the mobile titles and other titles. He's before. up Tabata. Um, and he's, he's stepping up Tabata. And he's... So anyway, he's been co-directing since the end of last year. And so I, I imagine he, that time has just been him handing over the reins. Right. But the trailer looks good. Um, they look, we were talking about it earlier, so you're not usually into this kind of thing. But it looks I like just I have no idea what's going on in it, apart from... It cuts between some people fighting and then people having a little well, joyride. Oh, yeah. The car bit, I'm not quite sure about. Uh, usually, you move around in these games using chocobos, which are the big yellow birds. I call them chocobos. Okay. But well. yeah. I know what a chocobo is, thank you very much. It's not worse in the games industry for 25 years <laughs> well, to be called Mr. Thank You Very Much. You may, you may be, <laughs> There's you this may character be, called Mario. You may be willingly avoiding it, but 
Anyway. All right, he's called Link, not Zelda. I'm wondering if they're going to call the car like the Chocobo Mother or something. Oh, I really well, hope. I hope, hope not. And I have no attachment to Final Fantasy, but if they do that, I'm just wondering. But um, the thing that kind of got us inter- or me interested was the way the group combat seems to be working. Mm. Uh, there seems I d- it doesn't look like you're necessarily in control of the other characters, but I've seen you can kind of. Um, but you do have all their bars and their health bars, so I don't know how that works. So I don't remember seeing a bit in there where they throw a grenade in the air and someone snipes it into a You're helicopter, right, though. But you do so a bit where someone throws a sword and then magically teleports and grabs I it. I did see a bit where somebody hacked at the leg of this poor four-legged little thing, it and it rolled over, and it was like... Mm. As opposed to blowing up a helicopter. It's like, because you hate cows, and then you hate this... Cows. Maybe that's what it is, yeah. But did you... Um, I don't know, I think it looks quite good. I'm thinking the fact that we've got a demo coming next year means we're probably not looking at anything before 2016 release, which is annoying because it'll have been 10 years then. So I thought it looked interesting. I was just so confused by the car stuff. Yeah. It's one of these things that, because bear in mind we haven't gone hands-on, I'm assuming yep. that by E3, Gamescom next year, we'll, be, we'll have had the demo, we'll have some more hands-on stuff, and then we'll be building towards release. Because there was a bit, well, what looked like in-game of you driving the car as well. Yeah. Mm. It, so it looks, I mean, but something that you commented on as well, there's like that brief frame of, of the woman who's like you know just sitting there yeah and that like the, the trailers uh, yeah but really square has always been like exceptional at yeah, doing that kind of stuff department. so no i i think it's exciting as much as anything it's good to see it but um it is a bit annoying that we still don't even have a release date because you know at the end of the trailer it flashed up in development so what will come out first phantom pain or that we don't have a release for phantom pain i, I know i do know that that's why i was asking the question well, i know i was just checking because i'm I think they're both games that actually before I'd seen the TGS stuff I was a bit like okay I've seen the same bit of this game quite a lot I'm hopeful that we'll have a Christmas release for Phantom Pain next year I think we're probably looking at they do like their February March release window they do oh they do I think February March 2016 have you got anything in February yes you do (laughs) yes Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. You bit. (laughs) Okay, so there's this game called Bloodborne. We haven't talked about it yet. No. They showed a new trailer. Yeah. Lots of new trailers coming thick and fast for Bloodborne. They've got a new one at Gamescom, now a new one at TGS. Yeah. I think the one at TGS gives you... The previous trailers have been a lot have been centered on the same kind of areas. There's a few more um, varied environments, including this trailer. There's like... um, where you're walking along a kind of um, pathway or a bridge and there's lots of fire beneath you and there's a bit of forest. But I think the thing I liked most about this trailer, one was the atmosphere. Yep. It's like, it looks really rich and dense and atmospheric, gothic, um, oppressive. It also, lo- also look, sounds weird. It looks like the game smells. <laughs> you, there's something... Looks, <laughs> I was not expecting it, you to say yeah, there that. There you go. <laughs> but it, it, it look, you can almost... Because I've played it a bit. It feels like you're... It's like a stench to the world. Like it a feels de- boy's it's, a de- it's a diseased world, Yarnum, and that's the whole like point of the story. Is the you go into this, you go into this diseased city to find a cure yeah. for this uh, presumably okay. blood-based disease, and it just looks like the whole thing. I'm oh, sorry. Cool. Thank you. Um, one thing I like most about this trailer, though, was you saw more of the creatures that you'll be yes. fighting. And the thing that um, From do that is exceptional is character and creature design. Um, and it's very famous. If you read any 
interviews with Miyazaki, yeah. what he asks and demands of his um, designers is that a monster isn't just a monster, it has a monster with a reason. Yeah. And there's a rationale to why it looks the way it does. There's a very famous story when someone was um, designing a dead dragon mm. for Dark Souls. And they, they drew it as like what you'd expect. So it was like like maggot ridden, yeah, yeah. like a dead dragon. And um, Miyazaki, this isn't verbatim, but he said something like, this doesn't have any of the grace or the magnificent magnificence that a dragon would have these are great ancient creatures and you made yeah. it look disgusting and it's kind of reminds me of what hr giga said about what they did with his designs in later films he's another guy who really got how to design a monster yeah and he said in later movies they turn them into these brown slimy creatures that look like turds yeah, yeah. not like the beautiful thing i designed and did I th- he actually say that yeah something okay. to, yeah because it, it p- particularly the beginning of alien resurrection sure like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah slimy yeah. and the horrible yeah. and he built a very sleek mechanical creature yeah so i think well, that's what i really like about from's games and particularly the first dark souls was that it's people finding a beauty in designing monsters yeah which is really cool yeah, it's uh, like a lot of it kind of reminds me of um, like Del Toro and the kind of Del Toro is a, d- a, gr- a great touch his... point, like Pan's yeah. Labyrinth. Yeah, there's a kind of weird story to be inferred by yeah. studying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you look at some of these creatures, as was the case with Dark Souls, and they haven't just been created because they look cool. That's one of the reasons, but they belong to the area of the world you find them in. Yeah, they. It for feels instance, like organic. there's an area in Dark Souls called Isolith. Yeah. And when you get there, it's all gone crazy. There's like fire everywhere. There's demons everywhere. And if you delve into the story, you realize that centuries ago, something terrible happened here. Mm-hmm. And all these people have been like infected and these demons have come from somewhere else. So the story there, they're not just like, hey, it'd be cool to drop this yeah, crow yeah. creature on this bridge. Yeah. There'll be a reason for why it lives there, yeah. which I think is like great. And that's the stuff I really like digging around with and exploring. Yeah. I mean, I kind of just looking at the trailers there, something that never really, as you say, the monster designs in Dark Souls are, are fantastic. But for me, there's quite a lot of brown, and it's almost like sepia in tone in a lot of places. Whereas, I don't know... In Blood Dark Souls, Bones, yeah. yeah. Whereas Blood Bones is a bit more I, blues I, and blacks I, and dark. Dark Souls and dark. is very much like that early on. Yeah, um, yeah. And the thing is, Dark Souls, I don't think a lot of people have seen the other areas in Dark Souls because obviously they're much later on and you have to get over the hump <laughs> yeah. but there's um there's loads of weird stuff in dark souls that people never know about like there's crystal caves mm. and there's lava worlds yeah. and there's like loads of weird stuff in dark souls that people never get around seeing yeah because they're just put off there's like forests and lakes and all crazy stuff yeah um, i think like so the last time i actually saw it i didn't get the chance to see it at gamescom i saw it at e3 it looks way better than it did yeah what's it's that, a really good like two months game. ago three months ago because i think um i think from is actually quite a small team compared to a lot of yeah. developers out there and that's probably one of the reasons why they're able to make the types of games that they do yeah but i think with dark souls while the art direction is brilliant the actual technical execution probably isn't all that yeah like notoriously if you went down in um, certain areas you had frame rate issues and the textures aren't the highest res because small team yeah. the actual design of stuff is yeah. brilliant yeah so i think with um, bloodborne you've finally got a game where it's as beautiful as the art direction is strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really cool when you're like killing stuff. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. So I think blood's important for the story of the game. Yeah. Because yeah. Dark Souls isn't particularly gory, mm. but Bloodborne is. So I think that's been an intentional design yeah. decision. But when you're like covered in blood and you've got like this leather tunic, kind of like accumulates and shines in yeah. the moonlight. It, it just looks a really nice, yeah. like beautiful game, even though it's really twisted. <laughs> so I think. I think this time last year, when Tokyo Game Show was drawing to a close, we were all of the opinion that it's a bit like, 
what is the point anymore? But yeah. I think certainly this year it feels like there's some good stuff. There's not as so much news, yeah. uh, although obviously showing that trailer was for Final Fantasy is kind of new and exciting. Yeah. But I think you know it's good to see you know Japan kind of reaffirming itself as like one of the kind of key kind of development places. Yeah, in well, the Gamescom UK in the becoming world, a sorry. bigger platform as well. Yeah. I think it's probably just games are getting bigger. Like maybe yeah. TGS will never scale the heights it once was at. Probably that's obvious that won't happen. But it also is great that other types of announcements can be made there. Yeah. You've got that different outlet, yeah. which is still interest to us and probably the people listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you can lead with at E3 when the eyes of the mass media of course, of course. are on um, Los Angeles yeah. and the industry. So uh, they were our picks from Tokyo Game Show this year. Uh, let us know yours. Uh, IGN UK underscore feedback at IGN.com. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. There you go. Thank you, Luke. Uh, let's move on to uh, reader feedback. Um, who's yeah. got the first piece? Not me. I've got the first piece. Um, this is from Jason Tilling. Uh, hey, Jason. And thanks for writing in. He's been a long-time listener. This is the first time he's ever written into the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to do Thank that. Thank you. Um, quite a few episodes back now. Um, we briefly mentioned the tv show hannibal and promised to discuss this once season two had finished so not to give any spoilers away uh, i want to ask your views on the show and if you think it's an underrated series so while it's i'm the only one who's seen it I say, yeah but again i don't really want to discuss indeed. it at length but what i'll all right so i interviewed brian fuller who is the writer and the creator of the show um, last week. And I'm going to do a feature where he's kind of guiding me through the season two finale. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's watched the show would, will realize why I picked that particular episode and the, the zeroed in on the last 20 minutes. Because I think it's some of the finest television I've ever seen. And I know I keep saying this in the office. And I'm going to have to start inevitably, it. inevitably, I'm going to build up expectations beyond all. Um, is it suitable, like, train fodder? Or is it a bit too... It's quite a dark show, so I don't know whether right. you'd be able to pick out a okay. lot of the detail. Do you know what I mean? Like on a, yeah, 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 yeah. You might not be able to see certain things. Right. It's I think on a technical level, it's um, one of the best made TV shows, like um, cinematography, lighting, yep. all that sort of stuff. It looks beautiful. Like it looks like a, a it looks like a David Fincher movie. Right. Um, performances are great. Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal and um, one as Fishburne's great. Um, Hugh Dancy. They're all great, really strong performances. But I think the script and the plotting is exceptional. Um, yeah, I can't I can't speak highly enough of it. I, I love it. I will I will have to check it out. I think it's too dark for me. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. So anyone with a anyone with a weak stomach, you can't really watch. I think I'll I'll try it. It's in context. And you it, know what I'm like. It, it, it's in again. context, but it's, it's weird. It's on NBC, I think, in America, which is a network channel, and then traditionally anything that kind of pushed the envelope. Yeah. Was cable, pay, you know, HBO yeah. and stuff. This is, I can't believe the stuff they get away with in okay. the show. Like it's really right up there. Is it gory? Um, some things, or but also implied? just also just what the no, it's, it's not implied. Some you, stuff you, isn't implied. Right, at all. Right, fair enough. But um, when they get to crime scenes, for instance, some of the killers arrange their kill scenes in very elaborate and imaginative ways. Okay, which usually watch you go, oh, blimey. <laughs> so that's it. Like that is the one problem with watching TV and film on. Um, on the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worse. Like I was, I've been rewatching Band of Brothers, and when Tom Hardy is introduced, of course he's on top of a naked woman, but it, you're just sat there with a busy commuter train going. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I watch. Was he on, that's how he's in, was he riding her? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> like, a, like a car, like a Mercedes Benz <laughs> DLC. Yes. He was just having intimate relations with a lady. What? Anyway, Tom Hardy, uh, Andy from Germany, uh, who streams us every week from Germany. Nice. Yeah. Says the price point for the Oculus Rift was announced a couple of weeks ago, and it will be as cheap as possible. In brackets, quotes, not brackets, which translates to two hundred to four hundred dollars, I imagine. Morpheus will fall in line with a similar price point. Sounds expensive, especially as we uh, inch nearer to four hundred dollar price points. I'm not sure what he means there, but I th well, I think he's saying it's more likely to be nearer four hundred dollars than it is two hundred dollars. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, with what is certain to be a very limited library to begin with, I wonder this is dooming VR in terms of gaming to failure. Um, what can be done to increase the appeal of VR so it doesn't become a tech footnote not to be revisited for another 20 years? It's a hard one. We've spoken about it a lot. Lynn. Um, have you actually have you played Morpheus or...? Yes, so I did um, The Deep, which is the one with right. the dark. Right, and so that that's the kind of, I, I guess, the best um, ex example of VR that I've certainly played and you played as well, Croup, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's um, really immersive. But it's it's a fairground ride in my eyes. It's It works... I could totally see myself going to Orton Towers or something like that. And I also think that's why up. Oculus and uh, Morpheus perform really well at trade shows. Yeah. Because you queue up. Yeah. You queue up for yeah. three hours yeah. to have a go and then you put it down you go, oh, that was good. Yeah. But then transplant that into the home and... I don't know. Suddenly, I think it makes a lot less sense. But even like, so I, because I did a video of me playing the deep. Uh, and when I was in that experience, it was like, this is amazing. You know, what I didn't realize, there's the guy next to me <laughs> literally staring at me in the face. I didn't know he stared at me in the face. And I could literally be sat there in my home while somebody robs me yeah. of all of my belongings and then take the headset off and go, oh, I've got nothing left. I just can't imagine doing, doing it at the home. The best thing that I've ever played um, with it, so I was at Developing Brighton and it was trying to get Kickstarter funding and it was called Radial G. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, I'm a futuristic racer and you're on the outside of these tubes and you're meant to go through, there's green and red kind of checkpoints that are rotating. And if you go through green, you speed up, you go through red, you slow down, mm -hmm. it's a race, it's simple. Um, and I played that and I really got a sense of speed. Yeah. And um, I kept, me being terrible at races, I kept aiming for the red ones to slow myself down and hitting the green ones. And before I knew where I was, I was shooting through. Mm. And it's really, that was one of the best things that I've kind of played on it. And I can see myself doing stuff like that. So a game like Wipeout, for example, yeah. that's incredible. That's kind but of that's, uh, to spend an additional $200, $400 caveat, on I a game like that is like, really? You need, you need enough of those to justify it. And I don't, I don't quite know. But having said that, when we spoke to... Um, uh, Andrew House and Mark Cerny, they were very keen to stress Morpheus is, n there's no guarantee Morpheus will ever hit shelves. What they're doing yep. is they're trying to get feedback in the same way with the PS4 development. They put it out early to developers to mm. get feedback and make the best product they could. Morpheus is just kind of going out to consumers and developers so they can get feedback about what they want from VR. And if it Morpheus up, isn't a thing. Yeah, exactly. And if it, ends yeah. Up becoming, yeah, yeah. if it ends up becoming a consumer product, it'll be very different to what it is today. Yeah. And it's a long way off. There's no guarantee yeah. it will. You know, it's it's not a rival to Oculus in that in the current sense. You know? It's not yeah. a thing, yeah. So that that's something else to kind of bear in mind. There you go. So it's me. Um, so Sony devices and remote play. So we talked about the Xperia Z3, which has remote play features, which is Sony's new smartphones. Um, and someone said that they don't agree with our analysis. Who said this? Um, this is Joshua Piggott Smith. Oh, Piggott Smith, our friend. 
Um, I think he's missing the fact that for someone like me who lives in a one-bedroom flat with my girlfriend, it saves him buying a beaker or buying a PSTV and bringing a second TV into a small bedroom. Um, he doesn't game on the move anyway, so the main functionality to use it for is literally just yeah. you know, convenience. So he thinks it's a good move by Sony. Yeah, fair play. I think. In the I, think yeah, I thought good. we said that last week. I, I thought, thought so. Maybe I've we, badly we, expressed myself. We, we said it's a good move, but I would like to see that technology on all platforms. I'd like yeah. to see it on iOS. Yeah. What I didn't realise as well, so I was writing a story this week about uh, Sony's Sony smartphone business has been is doing badly, so they've downgraded it. But Xperia phones in America are only available on T-Mobile, which is the fourth largest provider. Right. So they're kind of already, like, it's a niche within a niche within a niche. Yeah. And um, so I think mm. you're completely you're right. helping yourself, are you? No, it's yeah. got a lot of potential if they just rolled it out. But yeah. Okay. Right, next up is Andrew Voke. Andrew Voke, friend of the show. Um, so this is in response to the superhero show. But I think it's better to discuss this here yeah. in the podcast. Um, so streams. on the last um, episode of the Superhero Show, I laughed when Chris was showing me a moment from Kick-Ass. I kind of lost my stuff. And I nearly choked. And I laughed while he was explaining something very emotional to him while dressed as Kick-Ass. And Andrew wanted to know, is there any kind of movie or video game moment that would have been emotional or engaging for us, but was spoilt by the situation, environment, or just a sketchy bit of writing. So here's an example why you think on that, Alex and yep. Luke. He says that at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, there's an emotional scene where Alfred weeps in front of the Wayne tombstones because he failed Thomas and Martha. Yep. I thought this was then um, undermined by the last scene where it turns out Bruce had been lying and emotionally torturing one his, his one true best friend. Yeah. And then secondly, he said that the end of the uh, original Ring film was um, room for him by his brother getting home from school. At that moment, I think we can all relate to this. You're going, who's that? Why is she coming out of the TV? Her fingernails look pretty effed up. <laughs> oh, oh, bloody hell. This has subtitles. I hate subtitles. What language is this even? Who's she? What's this? Why? And so on. So I, that was going to be my similar thing. I would say pretty much every film ruined by my wife because <laughs> she always, she always wants to know the answer. To something oh. that hasn't been given yet. rather than it's it like, yes uh, yeah I've, I've had that before i, I, I don't know I've what had that, that is i've yet, had that before but i'm hoping they'll explain it i think they're withholding that intentionally yes i've got a friend <laughs> like that and she's it's kind of a riff on that who has his theories about it all so yeah. he know he thinks he's figured it out and he's like i bet you that's happened i bet you that one did that yeah and you're just like I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah. Shut up. I love my mum. Um, She's a remarkable woman. Yes. She raised me from a very young age by herself. Well, that's good. <laughs> and, oh, right. um, I was going to say, she I, raised you I from I love and respect her deeply. But you'll be watching a TV show with her or a film, very serious. She won't ask many questions, unlike your wife. Yeah. She'll wait till the very end, a climactic point, intuitively judged, and she'll go, was he in Emmerdale? <laughs> <laughs> was he? Yeah. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's, it's like no, I said. Heartbeat. It's like I said, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I, part of me was feeling her want to say, "What's going on?" Just, <laughs> look, at the just beginning. keep looking at you. And, and 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 all I was doing is like, I'm trying not to focus on the, the person to my left. Is that when the person with you keeps going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just keeps looking at you, yeah. and you're like. I'm watching this. It, Why are you watching me? It was me? the same with Inception. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh, Inception. I saw that with my mum. She fell asleep for the... That film doesn't get more lucid if you take a nap for an no, hour. No, sure. My, um, I, I, yeah, no, my flatmate, it's not, we're not necessarily into the same movies. He doesn't really like the superhero thing. And so when we went to see um, Kick-Ass 2, which I was really excited for, 
and you can just feel, you know, you can just feel next to you that someone's not enjoying it. Yeah, and Se- sequel's tricky it. as well, and isn't you're it? You're trying to get into it and like be really immersed, and they're just like, yeah. And you know, and you need to pay like, more oh. attention. Yeah, and it really kind of impacts on your enjoyment. So yeah. yeah. Email from Dave. Uh, As I've grown older, there is something uh, that I've completely fallen out of love with, and it's open world games. I'll never get over some of the first open world games I played, especially GTA 3, where I could spend hours running around bludgeoning people with my baseball bat. Uh, I enjoyed Fallout 3, but didn't get satisfaction. God, I can't speak today. Sorry. Uh, If I found a new area with no legitimate side quests. I have GTA 5, and it's a game I deeply respect for what it offers and its execution of uh, the minor things, I just don't want to explore it whenever I hear... Anyway, so now I find that strange because I actually think that is GTA 5's strongest point is the world and the ability just to hang out and do stuff because that world is beautiful. So I have a controversial theory, yeah. Okay, which, it, which isn't that controversial, but basically I play a lot of MMOs which are usually open world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Infamous was open world and I thought it was a good game, but it kind of bored me a bit. Mm-hmm. My theory is one of the reasons, and you know, you look at the Assassin's franchise, which again is very open world. Get your you know, point. All the big franchises and stuff. You're building up now. Yeah. I, my, one of my theories is one of the reasons that The Last of Us is so successful is because it does offer a very linear story-driven experience that takes you from point A to point B. Yeah. And that's it. But yeah. that's because I, it, it that's was... That's not controversial. But, but it was built from the game yeah. from the ground up to be like it's a narr- it's it narrative is, game it yeah. is but i don't i don't just mean it in that way i mean it was also so well received because there is just we've almost reached saturation point with open world games in the market I, I, don't, I don't i don't i disagree i just think it's it's one pillar of gaming mm. there are lots of but there's lots of narrative driven games you know like uncharted for instance yes. there are other narrative driven games beyond heavy so, rays see i think like i just think there are lots of open world games, and a lot of big budget games tend to be open world, tend to be open world yeah. because they require a big budget, so they're quite prominent. But that's but that I know we don't always agree with our readers here, but like Arkham City was a good example of where I actually think that shouldn't have been an open world game. It didn't need to be an open world game. Well, it's a narrative um, driven game in a slightly like it's expanded a, world exactly it's not a fully open world and there's no impetus to explore no. that world and that's why and that's like a kind i of never did. disconnect there um, and and that's why i think you know it's the, we see it all the time is obviously vr is a buzzword but open world was a buzzword you know a couple of weeks a couple of weeks ago a couple of years ago and how a lot of people are just adopting it as the well it has to be yeah. like that i don't think, I don't think, I don't think there's another uh, another thing to distinguish here because you can have an open world game and still have quite a strong narrative yeah. propelling you through it. Like Far Cry 3. Yeah. There's a strong storyline yeah, yeah, yeah. there kicking you through that game. God, that game was good. But then there's another, there's another type of open world game where they want to give you freedom. Yeah. They, they want you to do things whenever you want and like, and it, like it, no it's direction. emergent and that yeah. sort of stuff. That's a, a poor place to locate a narrative. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. then you'll never know what part of the map you're going to be in and yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Cool. And then the final piece of feedback we have is from Cameron McCulloch. Keeble, who says uh, London's big gaming trade show EGX is just around the corner and will we be covering the show if so will we have any presents there if people want to come and say hello what actual presents to give out yeah. no, no pre- presents presence. unfortunately uh, um, you're going to be there I'm going to be there I'm going to be there on the Thursday I'm going to be there on the Friday though I've got back to back interviews and I will be there for some of the Sunday um, are you, ta- are you taking any interviews I'm taking any interviews yeah <laughs> <laughs> <No one. laughs> We're not doing you're, the you're down for a bit, aren't you, as well? I'll be, I'll be down at the weekend, I think. Yeah. Are you? 
checking it out. I'm not going. Um, oh. I've never been before. Have you not? No. I was just. I went a couple of years ago. Always come, come it's it's kind way. of a, it's a fantastic consumer show, mm. but in terms of like we're in the fortunate position where we get to see a lot of stuff early. Yeah, so, so most most of the builds are, and games are stuff that we played either at Gamescom or we yeah. played at E3. So I'm kind of going to go mm. mainly just to talk to developers. Yeah. That, that's that's the draw for me. Yeah. yeah. Hi. Hi. What's your favourite resolution? <laughs> what's a classic? A classic commodity uh, question. What's your to run <laughs> What's your New Year's resolution? So do, a, do, do a do a feature on that. 4K. <laughs> UHD. That's that. what I'm Is that hormone replacement? They put that milk. Um, we're not doing the email where somebody said I was inconsistent. Uh, well, uh, well, that's because we we're inconsistent. We were going to do it, and now we're not because oh, we're uh, inconsistent. About something oh, I said yeah, last no, week. I it was about the iPhone yeah. and the battery. Yeah. Do you want to defend yourself? I do a bit because I do think. I probably did myself no favour. So I think the email was from Jamie Martin. So, so this the is the second time. That well, no, Jamie runs the IGN UK podcast um, group on Facebook. And he said that last week I was inconsistent because I said that using um, fetch data on your mobile phone over 4G um, punishes battery life. And I said, that's why your battery life yeah. doesn't last so long on your iPhone, Alex. Yeah. But then I said... Um, the yeah, the iWatch wouldn't drain your battery because it's, not it's pushing, pushing data. Yeah. So this, sl- I probably done myself no favors by saying push notifications in both sense. Yeah. But getting fetch data on your mobile phone all day, drawing email, connecting to 4G yeah. is the biggest way you can drain your battery life. What I meant between the phone and the watch is a Bluetooth connection, yeah. which is Bluetooth 4.0, yeah. which is super low powered and also requires no fetching of data because it'll be like pushing a calendar invite why didn't you say that because you know what brevity i just think fair play to the people calling you out week in week out <laughs> oh my god can we can we not invite any more of them because <laughs> so yeah if you want to pick us up on anything we've said in today's podcast um ign underscore uk com or contact alex at alex uh, ign uk on twitter yes or Luke, at Luke Carmarley on Twitter. or myself at Krooper. So yeah, if you could just bother us over the weekend That'd on everything that we said that great. is factually inaccurate, and also, be fantastic. You give out about four different email addresses, so it's probably the best way to do it. Krooper got it right. Yeah. For once, Krooper got it right. Yeah. Well, at least Bear Park is in here <laughs> and it is podcast ruining ways. You may never see this, we don't know. Let's talk about the games and films out this week. First up, uh, Daniel Krooper, Justify Yourself, the Disney Infinity 2.0. Yes, so the review will be up by the time this podcast goes out. Yep. I gave it 6.8, saying it's an okay game. I I look back on it, I gave Disney Infinity, which came out a year ago, um, one of the high scores out there, actually. I was kind of right up at, um, at the higher end of the range, and I loved it. I thought it was a great way to introduce kids to a variety of different types of games. You've got three sets, pirates, monsters, and Incredibles, and each one was slightly different. It was rich. Toy Box mode was great. Disney Infinity 2.0 adds Marvel superheroes. Yep. And you get one set, you get the Avengers, which, yep. you know, it doesn't teach kids anything about games, rather, except you're doomed for a life of fetch quests and button mashing, yeah, yeah, yeah. which isn't great. And it's, it doesn't look that nice. No, so you it were playing bit, on PlayStation 4. It's a bit ropey. And places. every time I kind of came over and took a look at it, I yeah. was just a bit kind of staggered by yeah. how, like, well, Manhattan, it's. It setting, doesn't feel like Marvel's it feels Manhattan. Empty. It feels barren. Yeah. And if you've played Marvel Lego superheroes, like, it's night and day. You yeah. go around Marvel Lego um, Manhattan, and there's 
loads of stuff to do. There's loads of Easter eggs. Stan Lee's hanging off the side of the building. You need yeah. to save him. Yeah. There's loads of stuff. There's loads of fan service. This feels really empty. Yeah. If you, you're playing as Black Widow and you can't fly, you're just walking around the city with nothing to see. On the flip side, um, the toy box mode is really good. There's a lot yep. of fun in there, and they've made it easy to create stuff. So if you're not the most creative or feel a little overwhelmed by it all, you can just chuck down some helpers, and they'll build you a treehouse or a racetrack. And that's still where it's best, because you can have Mike Wazowski and Thor riding horses, shooting toilet paper guns. You know, that, <laughs> that that's good. cool. That, yeah, that's, yeah. that's weird. And but, but it is, like, obviously, the thing that piqued my interest about the original game was that each of the sets felt unique yeah. to the characters that and were within it. The thing about what the, what it boiled down to for me was in the monster set last year, you walked around campus and there was this machine that looked like a photo booth and you go in there and you can make a monster. You could choose its fangs, how many eyes it had, yeah. what color it was. And then when you exited it, it would spit out this monster yeah. with the, which would then just walk around campus. Yeah. There was no reason for that to exist other than it was quite fun, to, fun. Make a, to yeah. make a monster. Yeah. Yeah. There is nothing like that in the Avengers set. Right. There's none of that detail or time just to make something fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just empty. And that's, you know, I think Which, we, we were talking about uh, while you were playing it is that to have that ambition and scope with the original game it. is huge. To sustain it a year on yeah. as well. To do like, yeah. So, oh well. Yeah, still good. There's still good stuff in it. Also out this week, Hyrule War 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 Warriors. Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, uh, it's good. Apparently good, yeah. Apparently Zelda fans, there's lots of fan service in it, which is good. Um, you know, if you like the Dynasty Warriors gameplay, it's definitely going to be better yeah. than that. It's not the the Zelda game I would like. I think it's you know it's a stopgap. I mean, lots of people. I quite like Dynasty Warriors gameplay, but I find the character there's no characters I can latch onto. I'm like I forget the names after five minutes. Mm. So the idea of maybe having some Zelda characters in it that it does appeal to me, and it's going to be fun. But you know, I don't think it's much depth. Oh. There you go. Uh, how do you pronounce this? Theatre rhythm. Theatre rhythm. Final Fantasy Thirteen Core. Um, That's so a hell of a name. I know. So it's the sequel to Theatre Rhythm Final Fantasy, and it's basically a rhythm action game on your on your 3DS. So you tap along to songs, famous songs from the Final Fantasy series. Yep. Um, yeah. Again, good. Like lots of songs. Two hundred and ten. If you're not a Final Fantasy fan, I think you are going to struggle just because. Are, know, are they all from Final Fantasy? Yeah. It's not Anaconda by Nicki no, Minaj. Sadly not. <laughs> yeah. Ubisoft snapped up the rights hey. for Just Dance. But oh. yeah, so it's all right. And there's some quite cute versions of characters in the series. Of Have they really? Is that in Just Dance, Anaconda? Do you have to no, shake your butt? I, I think I might be thinking of... They should add bang it. Bang by Jessica. Just a different song. Um, but yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. You young hipsters. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were talking about Ariana Grande this morning. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> no, no, I don't know who that is either. I thought she was from ancient mythology. <laughs> Also out, Wasteland 2 and my personal favourite, Train Simulator 2. Oh, I cannot rounding now. out the week. I cannot wait to recreate the 759 from Berkhamster to Euston. That is going to be hella's exciting. Movies. Hella. hella. Yeah. Right, what do you want to know about? Riot Club? Yep. The Riot Club is based a film based on a play which is a kind of a satire of the Bullenden Club. Uh, which, you do, if you don't know, is a kind of society in Oxford which many famous um, British politicians were members of. And they used to go around doing rather unsavory things like trashing restaurants and 
genuinely being idiots. Right. I kind of reined it in a bit. Yeah. It's going to drop a C-bomb. And the right club is kind of a satire on that. Um, but also, apparently, later on, it gets quite dark. I haven't seen it, but I'm going by the review that we've got on site. Apparently, later on, it takes a dark turn. Right. And there's almost elements of horror in there as well, like a quite a grim conclusion, I think. Okay. So there's, apparently, it's an interesting movie, and we gave it a 7.4 thing. It's a very good movie. Um, great acting. A lot of young British actors in there who deliver very good performances. Okay. Um, so that's it. And then, what else do you want to know Walk about? Walk Among the Tombstones. So, Walk Among the Tombstones is the latest in the genre of Liam Neeson being a bit of a badass. We're a long way from Oscar Schindler, people. Um, it's him kind of in taken mode, but he's a private detective. I think he uses his brain a little bit more than his oh, brawn. Listen, that's nice. Yeah, so he's you know, he's taking a break. Those taken films have done murder to his back. Um, so we said it was okay. Um, we said that... Um, Liam Neeson's like really good at those kind of roles. He's kind of growing oh, into he's them. Done them enough. Well, <laughs> has he won an Oscar with Liam Neeson? What right? recently? Did he? I don't know. Star Wars Episode One. Joking. I can't imagine he would have won an Oscar for Taken or anything like that. <laughs> so the um, best gravelly voice. While it, you know, we said while he continues to excel in those kind of roles, like reinventing himself, and yep. um, the story's pretty predictable. And we gave a, a six point seven, saying it's okay. Yep. Last up, wish I was here. Oh, wish I was here. Right, I'm going to show you the poster for Wish I Was Here, and this will probably tell you everything you need to know about this film. Uh, oh. So from this, this is a comedy drama from Zach Braff, right, of Scrubs and Garden State fame. Yeah, it looks like every other kind of indie self-exploratory comedy that you've ever seen. Life is an occasion. We, rise to it. Yeah, so we haven't got a review on site. It's also got um, Kate Hudson in it, Ashley Green and Josh Gad. Review's been pretty bad so far. Josh Gad, is he... He's um, the Olaf. The Olaf, yeah. He is indeed. Yeah, so on Rotten Tomatoes, we don't have a review yet, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it has got 42%. Whoops. So, um, so if you're going to go see one, one film, be... Um, right, right Club. Club, the Right Club, yeah, go see that, go um, see the Toffs in action. And if you're going to play one game, probably Hyrule Warriors, I, I would have so. thought. Yes. Some people have been ranting about Wasteland 2, like it's the answer or something. Yeah. Uh, well, it's got, it's got a long <laughs> yeah. history. It's the answer to, um, when's Wasteland 2 out? Finally. When, when can I play Wasteland 2? Right now. <laughs> uh, that's it for this week's podcast. Uh, we want to give a special shout out. To our duck hunters, don't we? Yes, um, Jamie Martin and the lovely, lovely admins. Let me just get up the page so I can direct people to the right get up the page. spot. Oh, you've, you sprung this on me. While Daniel's oh, no, using good. Facebook, uh, it's podcast episode 250 in four weeks' time. I'm hoping to bring news of that there podcast next week. Um, yeah. We are working to make it as special as possible. A uh, few determining factors there, but hopefully, yeah, more news this time next week. Cool. Yeah, so what I wanted to say was the podcast um, um, fan page. I don't, I don't like using the word fan, but the community page for the IGN UK yeah. podcast set up by Jamie Martin is now on 321 members. Hurrah. And I want to say thank you to Jamie himself and also Kevin Tarn and Scott Sedman, who are the admins and yeah. everyone who's liked it. You, yeah, you guys are doing an amazing job, so See thank you. you so much. So yeah, and and I think uh, we're going to start using it to like, test out like sound out people for ideas for the podcast in future episodes yeah. and stuff like that so if you want to have a, a say on what where the podcast goes post 250 well, i think we're all join the there. group there's also some really good artwork as well better than anything we did in photoshop yeah so, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> terrible at photoshop right. yes. 
There you go. And it's my birthday next Wednesday. I just thought I'd drop that in there. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, if you want to send, I don't know, maybe a shit sandwich to Luke for his birthday, you can do that I'm until yeah, this time next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.